Hey, that was great. Kids are awesome and they always have great answers. Well, I'm here with Pastor John Mazariegos and we are here at convention 2016 here in Honolulu, Hawaii. One of the things that we got to receive was how the power of God is moving throughout our islands as well as the Foursquare movement, our denomination. You should be so proud of our ELN students, our Emerging Leaders Network, where our young adults got to serve day in and day out. I mean, they were only supposed to serve about 12 hours in the entire week, but they probably served 12 hours a day during connection time and our, during our convention. And so we are so proud that uh, they got to serve and they served every single day and gave their hearts out. They were tired, but they loved Jesus and they gave their very best. And then of course, we work hard, we serve hard, but then we also play hard. So we got to just spend some time with them and have some fun. But today you're gonna to hear Pastor John. He's gonna be sharing with us something that you all relate to because we all love horses. And that's gonna be something that is uh, gonna be uh, inspirational to us as well as visual but also challenging. So get your hearts prepared because I know you're ready to hear Pastor John as he comes up and shares with us this morning. Would you welcome him as he comes up? Amen. Man, I was standing up there. Look, it looks like a mafia don or something. You know, good morning. I'm so excited to be here. I want to, I just want to get reconnected. You know, you guys have been our sponsoring church um, uh, for 10 years. And I'm going to tell you how that works. And I just, um, I asked Sheldon, since my wife, Robin, will you stand up? That's my wife, Robin, the mother of, she's a mother of six children and she still looks fine. And um, so I, I told him I was coming to Connection and I wanted to come and thank the church for your prayers, your love, and your sponsorship. He did a great job. He knocked it out of Shell. Pastor Sheldon knocked it out of the ballpark. And I don't know if there's any of those ELN students here, but that's one of the things that I loved about him is that he celebrated the people that, that he works with and serves with and he pastors. Are there any ELN students here? Will you stand up? You probably still they're probably they're still cleaning toilets down there at the convention center, I guess. Well, will you open your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah chapter twelve, verses one through five? And um, this has been a very significant text for me. It sustained it has sustained uh, Robin and. I and, and, and my family through a very difficult season down there in Mexico. It's been, it's been very dangerous. And um, Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. But you, O Lord, know me, and you have seen me, and you have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. 
How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the every field wither? The beasts and birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they said he will not see our final end. And this is the response that God gives to Jeremiah. If you have run with footmen and if they wearied you, how then? Then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Father, I praise you. And everybody that's come in here today, they have their story. They have the things that they're dealing with in their lives, their fears, their concerns, their, their wounds, their hopes. And Lord, I, I come in as a speaker and I wish I could know the stories of each and every person that's come in here, but Lord... You know them, and I ask you, Father, that you would touch them and minister to them. Lord, that they would feel that, that great love that you have for them, that you can sustain them in any situation, any context. I pray for that today, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've been a missionary over almost 25 years in Mexico. This last time I've been down there for 17 and one of the interesting things when I come to the States, not, not, not so much here in Hawaii, I, you know, I don't know your context very well. I, I come up and I visit, I visit Alex, Pastor Alex Pacheco and we go fishing. And so I don't know what, what, what the context is here in, in, in Hawaii, and especially here on Hilo. But as I've been going to visit the churches that support us and, 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 and take care of us and pray for us in the United States... Recently, in the last year, I've, I've confronted or been faced with or have seen or observed that on the mainland, there, there, there's an anger, there's, there's fear, there's concern, there's, um, there's, an, there's an unsettled spirit on the mainland in the United States. I mean, you know, we're in a very difficult political season, and, and even in Mexico, some of the candidates have said some things that concern people in Mexico and 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 then I I I see that there's concern about safety, about terrorism, about the economy. Um, there's racial tension. There's there's concern about sexual gender issues. Um, there's a lot of Christians that feel like they're the country's out of control. Um, so and I, and I fear fear. I feel fear, and and so. I, I was thinking about that, and I, I can completely un, understand it because that's what Jeremiah is dealing with here, is that he's the prophet that sees the people of God taken into captivity, and he's prophesying about it. And so he's, he's really kind of angry. He's really kind of upset about what he sees is happening, especially uh, Judea, the, the last two t- tribes that are exist. The, the, the ten northern tribes were taken a couple of hundred years before that in 721 by the Assyrians. And now he is prophesying and, and he's angry. He's really very bothered. And he starts in the text, we read it, in chapter 12, verse 1. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. He, he's got good theology. He knows God is good. He knows he's just. He's no, he knows he's righteous. But he's got a, an issue with God. He says, righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. 
I look at what's happening and I'm concerned and I'm all, he's almost, he's really angry. And then he, then he begins to plead his case. He says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? And then he recognizes in verse 2, God's sovereignty. You've planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. I mean, there's some kind of religious attitude towards you. There's some kind of religious kind of environment, but there's no real heart love for you. And then, he's, then, he, then he makes a contrast. God, you know, you know what's happening in my heart. He says, but you, O Lord, know me. You've seen me. You have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of the slaughter. He's so ticked off. He wants God to take these people out. He wants them. I, I don't know about you, but there's, got, there's times when you've got to be so honest and so real with God and you're so upset that you might ask God to kill somebody. And that's what Jeremiah is doing. He is so, because he says, look, in verse 4, how long will the land mourn? And he's upset, and I, and I understand him. These, these last five years in, in Mexico, they've been, they've been tough. You know, I, my, 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 I've been, my life has been threatened, my my family life has been threatened. My, my son had a gun placed right in his face. Robin and I have been in the middle of a gunfight, like in the movies. We're driving on the highway in two SUVs, and they're, they're shooting at each other uh, with semi-automatic weapons, and our van is being shaken, and I'm looking on the other side of the highway, and you see a guy outside of a van with an Uzi trying to spray the truck before him, and you see cars going all around, and... I'm trying, I'm trying to get the heck out of there. A cartel, a son of a cartel um, member, a leader, fell in love with my daughter. And if she didn't respond to him, he threatened to have me killed. And he used to park his Humvee up the street. It was really weird. And part of me is afraid, and part of me wants to protect my daughter. I We'll have healing ministries, and we'll be praying. We'll be down in the jungle. And these are the things I have to pray for. A little girl, 16 years old, comes and says, Why did my daddy want to kill me? Because he's part of a cartel, and, and he's in a drunken rage, and he takes a machete, and he wants to cut her nap. And she's wondering, Why, 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 why does my father want to kill me? And her mother comes up, and she's got a hand bandage where she stopped the machete with a broom and it slid and cut almost cut off her hand. And then you got men that come up and they say to me, can God forgive me because I've killed people. And you're, you're, you begin to get so overwhelmed and for, for a couple of years there, you couldn't even, you couldn't even go two blocks without there being a, a, a military and, and our city would be shut down. And it's 5 o'clock and my kids can't come home from school because there's an operation up, the, up, up at the street. And I got so freaked out one time, the only person I could call was Pastor Alex Pacheco. I trust him. And I'm sobbing on the phone. And I'm angry. And I'm, I'm complaining to God, God, why? Why? And there's times, you know, when things are tight. When we first moved down there, we, for eight months, we moved my, we. We, we didn't have any furniture in our home because we bought chairs. When we were starting a, a church there in our house, 
And we would sleep on futons and we would, you know, we lived out of, of, of our suitcases and our kids loved it. They thought it was camping every day and, and we would take, fold everything up and put it in one room and we would buy cafeteria tables and chairs and chairs and that's all we were going to do is start. My, I love my wife because, you know, she wants to make a home and we, we made our home a church. And so there's times when, when, when you know, I understand and, and this text is what helped me. Because in verse 5, I understand, Jeremiah. I understand what's happening in the States. You get scared. And there's a difference. There's emotionally, you either, when you're afraid, you either attack or you break down. You, 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 you shut down. And I'm one of those guys that wants to fight. And I get angry and there's rage in me. And so I understand Jeremiah. But what does God say to him in verse 5? If you have run with footmen and they've wearied you, how then can you contend with horses? And, and what God is saying, you can, Johnny, you can experience and you, you feel like you've, you've hit the limit and you can't take anymore. And maybe you felt that. I can't take it anymore. God, where are you? And God says, you can do a lot. You can handle a lot more than this. Is that all you can handle, you little wimp? Little sissy. You can handle a lot more. I've called you to run with horses. And every time I feel the pressure, and every time I begin to feel the, the weight of, of six children, and um, I just go, God, I can't handle it. Of course you can, honey. Of course you can. You can do a lot more. And I begin to measure my life, and I begin to measure where I'm at. Because God has called us to run with horses. And it all has to do with our design, purpose, and mission. I mean, he could speak to Jeremiah that way. There's, there's this one constant. And if you, we got to go to Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, to understand why God could look at Jeremiah, hear his concern. And Jeremiah is upset because he feels like the, that God has to judge the land and the people because the, the, especially the leaders are behaving in an unrighteous way. And he's, and, he's, and he's saying, you planted him. You're sovereign. You can do anything. And that's the mystery of iniquity. That's the mystery of evil. God is totally sovereign. But there, in his overall plan, he allows wickedness, the enemy, to work the wickedness in the, in the soul of a human being to manifest itself in his overall plan as he redeems. He allows it because out of that, that's the only way he can bring redemption. Because from the very beginning, God obviously has been accused in all the heavenlies when he judged Satan and all the, all the angels with him. There's something about a pruning, a, 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 a molding us in the, in, the, in the face of adversity. Faith, faith is developed as you persevere through adversity. There's, there's something about having your faith tested, your relationship with God tested in the face of wickedness where you, where you can say, I believe you no matter what. But it gets overwhelming. And the reason why God could dress Jeremiah 
It's because it starts from the very beginning. It says in verse 1 of chapter 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin. Now, I thought, well, of course, you know, he's a son of a preacher. He's a son of a priest. And that's a big deal. I mean, therapy, you know, we're, we're all always being dealt with because of where we came from, our families, you know, the dysfunction. We all come from dysfunction. And, um, you know, I never knew my dad. I'm, I'm, I was raised in a single-parent home. My nose has been broken three times because when they'd say, you son of a, or you mother, you'd be talking about my mother, I'd fight you. You know what I mean? Some of my homeboys here understand that. That's right, brother. You talk about my mother, I'm going to jack you up. But a lot of it was the shame and the insecurity and the brokenness, the abandonment. And so I look at you and, I, and I, you start off and you begin to, well, of course, he's the son of a priest. But you know what? That's not what... That's really not what made Jeremiah so amazing. Because if you go to um, Jeremiah chapter 11, 21, first of all, his neighborhood, they didn't like him in his neighborhood. It says in Jeremiah eleven twenty one. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, his dad was a priest there, who seek your life, saying, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. They want to take him out because of the message that God's given them. And in his own family... You go to 12, Jeremiah 12, verse 6. For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called you a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. It says, don't even trust your own family. They hate your guts. So it's not family. It's not where we come from that makes us anything. Jeremiah came from a very broken place. Family that detests them. Conditional love. They don't like him. They don't like how he's representing the family because he loves God. They're speaking evil about him. The Lord is saying, hey, heads up. Don't trust them. Even if they're talking nice about you, they don't like you. So it's not his family. It's not where you come from. That's not what makes us who we are in God. Because basically what I really want you to do is think about the mission that God has for each and every one of you. And many of you might, like me, sometimes want to disqualify yourself. I say, I can't handle this. Or, God, you, you, you don't realize how broken I am. And so you go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. So it's not, it's not where he comes from. It's it's one thing that you see over and over before the call. It says there in verse 2, To whom the word of the Lord came. Verse 3, It came also in the days of Jehoiakim. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me. It's, he's, he's a man that's been molded by the word of God. And there's three things that the, that the word of God does for you. It molds you. First, it says, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That has to do with design. I knew you in the womb because I've designed you. I, I'm going to tell you, God has designed me. That's the, the, I was driving in my truck one day. 
And I was thinking back of all the mistakes I've made in my life. And all the mistakes I've made in my life, I promise you, every one of them has to do with me wanting to please someone. Because I, I want to be loved and I want to love. The biggest need in my life is to be loved. That thing just drives me. And I realize everything, every mistake, and I, and I want to please people. I want them to be happy. And I, and I was thinking, man, I've gotten in so much trouble. It's doing stuff I don't want to do, but just because I wanted to be accepted or I wanted to be loved. And the Lord says, that's good, Johnny. I, I, I put that in you because you ultimately, that's how you want to relate to me is you want to please me. And, you know, not having a dad, the thing, I, I, I'm all about relationship. I mean, the, the, the ministry down in Mexico that we do, and you're going to see why, is I want to create spaces where people can feel loved. I, I, I cry out to God. I said, God, give me the people nobody wants. I just want them to know that there's a safe place that they can be loved because that's my need. And I'm going to be everything to my boys and my daughters, everything I'd never had. I, I told I was Pastor Alex one time, I, was just, I said, Dad, I said, Pastor, why don't you be my dad? And he says, oh, I don't want to be your father. I'll be your brother. You know how he talks. I'll be your brother. <laughs> I said, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm too old to have you as my father. You're about like a few years older than me. And, um, but that, that thing. And so even out of your book, God has designed each and every one of you in a very unique way. And it drives how you live life. It drives the way you interpret it. It drives the way you give meaning to it. Each and every one of you give meaning to your life. You give a feel to it. You, you approach it. It's so you. And that's, I've known you even in the womb, before the foundation of the world, before he made mountains and oceans, these, this beautiful island. He knew you because he designed you and he knows how you're going to approach life and how you're going to experience it, how you're going to interpret it, how you're going to give feeling to it, how you're going to give meaning to it. And that design takes you into the next step. He says... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I separated you. That has to do with purpose. And, 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 and from your design, you move into purpose. And my purpose is to create those spaces. Because I so long for deep, safe, wonderful, loving relationships. We have an ethic of respect. We... Everybody that comes in our church, we want to extend dignity to them because they've been created in the image of God. No matter what they have done, no matter what they have done, no matter what they've experienced, we want them to, to, to feel the dignity that they have being created in the image of God. And then the last one, mission. He says, I've called you, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So out of your design will move you into your purpose. You'll begin to approach ministry in a certain way because of the way you interpret and give meaning to life. That'll determine how you do it because God wants us to touch the nations. I'm going to show you a picture of someone. Can you put it up there? Maria Jose. She's 16 there. I, that, that picture was taken four months ago. 
A year before that, when she was 15 on a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, two men grabbed her, threw her in a car, and they raped her for six hours. They raped her for six hours, and then they drove out on the highway and just dumped her out there. And so she was taken, somebody found her, took her to the hospital. For two weeks, she was so brutalized, she couldn't walk. And so in the, in the I, I'm, it, that you can see, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a village there. And um, we, we plant churches where cartels recruit men because they don't have jobs, they don't have many. You know, they, a lot of these guys get into this type of stuff not because they want to, it's because of need. And so... This is, we're planting churches up in Guasave. It's up in the northwest. And it's where, in Sinaloa, that's where Chapo Guzman was the famous cartel leader that escaped prison. And they hunted him down. And, and they caught him in Los Mochis. And that's, we minister there, Los Mochis in Guasave. And her father was a meth addict for 20 years. And he got saved under our ministry up there. And and he says, will you pray for my daughter? And, and I didn't know, you know, I, I thought, sure, I'll pray for your daughter. I'm gonna, she's graduating from high school or she's, you know, some. And, then he, and I said, well, what, what does she need? And then he told me the story. I was thinking about her last night because Alex Pacheco's granddaughter, Kea, was having her graduation party. And Kaleo had put this beautiful spread, this music and food. And I was thinking about Jose Maria. And so when he told me the story, and I go to the village, and there's, in the village, there's uncles and grand, you know, the grandfather and the brothers and the aunts and the grandmothers. And, it, and, it, and it's an intense situation. They, they're carrying, they want to kill these guys. And they call me up, and they're, and they're saying, who's this American that's going to come and pray for Jose Maria. They put, there's a tree and it's all dirt floor and the chairs all around and they're all just watching me. And I sit under the tree, there's just two tears and here they, they're carrying her out because she can't walk because she's been brutalized. And I'm thinking, my God, how do I even, how do I even do this? I felt so powerless. I felt so shallow. I felt like, this is, you know, this, this little girl's life has been destroyed. I can't imagine what she's thinking about having to be with two men doing things to her for six hours. I don't know where her head is at. I don't know where her heart is at. I don't know psychologically. I don't know anything. God, it, how do I minister to someone like this? And as they're carrying her out, I'm thinking, man. I'm supposed to be the man of God and I have no way. So they sit her down next to me and this is what I prayed. I said, God, can I make her giggle? If I make her laugh, maybe something will break. 
And, you know, everybody's kind of looking, you know, they're trying to act, they're trying to give us our privacy. They're looking at us, but they don't want to act like they're seeing us, you know, that weird, they're, they're checking us out, but they want to give us our privacy. I don't know what I said to her, but she started to giggle. And they all turned around. And it seemed like at that moment, God had baptized everybody with hope. Can you put the picture up again? That's a year later. She's beautiful and she's healed. I'm sure she's struggling, but but she trusts Jesus. And we planted a church right in that village. And people want to hear the gospel. And that's why God wants me to run with horses. Because there's times I go, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't do this anymore, God. I'm, I'm worried about my kids. You know, ethically, how do you, how do you stay? Because all the other four square missionary units, they left as soon as the action was happening. I mean, there's times when in our church we have big plate glass windows. They're shaking like this because the military and the cartels are going at it. And our building is shaking. Because of the gunfights. And it's surreal. I mean, you think, this is crazy. I'm living in the middle of this. And ethically, how, how can I justify keeping my family here? And I pray to Rob, I, Robin and I and the whole family get together. We go, no, we can't leave here, Daddy. This is our home. This is, this is where we're going to sow our life away. I'm going to die in Mexico. But it's in those moments when when God says, you can do so much more. You too. Some of you are probably feeling you're at your limit, but you can do so much more because of the mission. That little girl. You know, this church, I was was thinking about it. I don't know if you know, but you give me $500 a month, this church. Some of you. When you give the missions, you're giving to us. That's $6,000 a year, and you have supported me since Alex was the pastor for 10 years. That's $60,000. i got to thank you, the prayers. I can't write newsletters because I can't sometimes, Rob and I have not been able to tell the truth because they'll pull us out, her family. So you got to get out of there. One time I was honest, and, and all of a sudden I started getting emails from pastors. you got to get out of there, Johnny. you got to get out of there. I'm not leaving. But it gets overwhelming. And God calls us to run with horses because there's a mission. And I want you to think about that. Each and every one of you, God has designed you, and out of that design, He's given you a purpose, and you got a mission. Because there's people that desperately need the hope that comes from the gospel. And we're talking about kindness. They desperately need it. That little girl, if, 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 if everything you've done for me to be able to be in Mexico, it's worth it for Maria Jose. If the gospel hadn't come to her little heart, who knows where she would be today? And you see her smiling. She looks Hawaiian, doesn't she? So I want to say mahalo, mahalo, mahalo. Thank you. But I do want you to think about that your life is very important. 
even though you might feel like you're at the limit and you can't handle it anymore and you feel like maybe God has abandoned you, He hasn't. He's not only not abandoned you, He believes in you so much more than you probably believe in yourself. So I'm grateful that Jeremiah got mad at God and he wants to take people out. I know all that feeling, but I'm also glad that God challenges us. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a faithful church that supports my wife and my family. It's an honor to be your missionary. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for Pastor Sheldon and Heidi, the past pastors, Pastor Alex and Bernard Pacheco. I thank you, Lord. I feel so honored to be a part of this congregation. Lord, I pray that you encourage every person here that they would know they have a mission because there's a Maria Jose in their life that needs to hear the hope of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Los amo en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, amen.